0: Welcome to another episode of the Introverted Mouth Podcast. I am Dr. E. Michelle Mickens, your leadership doctor and host. This podcast answers questions and addresses concerns that matters to leaders nationally as well as around the globe. It's here where I will discuss topics and issues that encourage out-of-the-box thinking, challenge mindsets, and empower you with a fresh approach to solving old problems. I will have subject matter experts share insights on how they successfully overcame their obstacles and show you how to do the same. This leadership podcast is designed to excel, educate, empower, and expand you. It's about the B for real experience. Remember, real stands for reliable, ethical, authentic learner. Again, this is about real leaders, real producers, real results. And this episode is gonna be about the impact of COVID-19 and the economy of black business owners and entrepreneurs. And I am so thrilled to have a special guest who is absolutely on top of these issues. I introduce to you Dr. Donetta Watson. She is the founder of the Black Mastermind Group. Dr. Watson.
1: Hello, Dr. Michelle Mickens, how are you?
0: Oh, please call me Dr. E and I am doing
1: very well. Dr. E, yes, 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 yes. I'm so glad and so honored to be on the podcast today with your listening audience. Well, you know what? I can't
0: thank you enough for finding the time because I've noticed you've been extremely busy.
1: Yes, I have. <laughs> I, I told my team this morning, uh, my body—it's—it's it's finally catching up with me. But I often tell my body that you were built for this. Come on now. And I yes. tell my brain that for this, for such a time as this, so line up and Come let's on. get busy. We, let's we, keep we, it moving.
0: Have to be about it because the impact that you're making to so many businesses, and we'll have an opportunity to go into detail, but what you're doing is truly an answer filling in a gap that has been missing for so long. And many, many businesses, especially African-American businesses have suffered, made so Mm. many mistakes, not having the knowledge base that you are providing so many of us. So we thank you for what you're doing. I know I didn't go into a lot of details. We're definitely going to discuss what you do. But I wanted to, because of your expertise, I wanted to tap into this topic because I was doing some research um, just about how accessible the stimulus money has been, truly has been for the Black business owners and the entrepreneurs because, um, you know, like everything else, there has been such a a disparity and, and a divide. And so I thought who better than you that can kind of help us understand what has been some of the barriers or, you know, are African-Americans really gaining access like everyone else in terms of getting the PPE money and all the other uh, stimulus monies and dollars that are out
1: there? Well, unfortunately, the answer to that question is no. Mm. Um, I want to back up just a little bit to something that I don't know if we're aware of Uh, In our community, uh, there's approximately 2.9 million Black businesses in the nation. Mm, Out of that approximately 2.9 million Black businesses, there's only two, approximately 2.2% of them that have employees in their businesses. Mm, Okay. So that leaves 90, a little less than 98% of the Black entrepreneurial community could not qualify for the PPP funding. 98% do not have employees. Now, I was on a call recently with some individuals that were part of SBA in another state, and they were talking about why did the Black entrepreneurial community not apply for the PPP funding? And for somehow, some way, SBA didn't look at their own data look at their own statistics to realize that in the black entrepreneurial community, 98% of us do Mm. not have employees. And so the PPP program was developed to help businesses retain their employees, right? 98% of black businesses do not have employees. So out of that 90, out of that 2.2% that do have employees, 65% of them did not have their supporting documents to qualify for the PPP funding. Mm. 65% of the 2.2% did not have all of their payroll documents in order to qualify for the PPP funding. Now, I know some entrepreneurs that did qualify. I know some that did get the funding and they had great financial systems in their business. They had financial reporting, payroll reporting to verify the funding that they were going after. They had everything in order. So they were able to qualify. But that's a staggering proportion of black entrepreneurs who, number one, didn't have employees in their businesses to even put an application in. Number two, if they did have employees in their business, 65% of them didn't have adequate supporting documents to qualify for the funding. Mm. So consequently, after quarter two, they're purporting that 40% of black entrepreneurs have closed the doors and have decided they're no longer going to pursue that business.
0: What's that percentage again? 40%? 40%
1: of the 2.9 million, Mm. almost half of the 2.9 million businesses that were in the marketplace at the close of quarter four, 2019, these were the number of entrepreneurs in the marketplace. Now there's probably 1.45 million out in the marketplace Well, let's see, that's 60%, probably a little bit less than 2 million, a little less than 2 million still in the marketplace today. And that's a great concern for everyone. Everyone on the call were involved in entrepreneurship in some capacity around the globe. And we all were, and, and I was a listener to these great experts from around the nation in different capacities of, of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Wondering why the Black entrepreneurs did not apply for the PPP funding, did not take advantage of it. Oh, I wish I could have unmuted myself and told them, well, you put a program together. Number one, the program went through the banks. Exactly. First leg of the program. Yes. Went through the banks. And the first thing SBA, one well, of the Department of Commerce noticed, was there was a disparity in the first round of PPP money. It was predominantly white business owners that accessed the funding. Why? Because the banks got on the phone and they called all their great, wonderful business owners that they thought were the best of their customers that were in a position that they could qualify them probably on the phone. And that's just my synopsis of the situation. And the dollars went straight to them and, and that money was evaporated in less than seven in less than 14 days, seven to 14 days. The money was gone. So mm-hmm. that let me know that there had to be a fast decision made on those immediate businesses. They could look at and determine they were eligible to qualify for the funding and they, and they received the dollars. So round two PPP funding was released and round two, went to all other types of lenders. Second party lenders, Mm -hmm. not banks, credit unions, lending organizations, PayPal, Square, Stripe, all of those companies that run business transactions. They were eligible to provide PPP funding. Then you run into the same problem again. Although they thought they dealt with the disparity issue by opening it up for the money to go to all different types of business organizations that handle financial transactions the same problem persisted for our community we do not employ people so consequently we couldn't qualify for the funding because we didn't have employees now I know people have done some creative things to qualify but I'm not going to talk about that right here
0: no 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 but let me ask you this Um, Dr. Watson I thought that there were some funding available for those who were independent contractors.
1: Indeed, there was. And that word did not get clearly out to our community. Mm. That funding came through unemployment benefits. Now, oh, how many black entrepreneurs are gonna go apply for unemployment benefits? That word did not get out clearly that the CARES Act provided yeah. aunt- entrepreneurs who were, Solo, we call them solopreneurs proprietors. Exactly. Solopreneurs, you know, that those entrepreneurs that really have a job that they have to report to that they call a business. So those type of business owners, we separate them from entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs create jobs for other people. Business owners have a job for themselves. So those business owners were supposed to apply for unemployment benefits under the CARES Act. You're right. And that was not clear was not clear. So consequently, retail employees, mm-hmm. hospital workers, those who had their had their hour shifts cut and changed, they apply for those benefits. And retail facilities or restaurants that were closed and employees could not report to work, they apply for the benefits under the CARES Act. Well, the CARES Act was, was also set aside funding for entrepreneurs who were solopreneurs in their businesses. Right, right you know they had that job that they had to report to in order to make revenue in their what, business well, they now, were supposed now, to apply for those funds
0: doctor doctor watson i i fall under that solopreneur and i yes, only ma'am. report to the one i don't have anywhere else but my well own. but but if you don't
1: show up you don't make any money so that's a job so don't we'll we'll, we'll get I into that later saying. i hear what you're <laughs> those, saying that that's why they put them in the job category gotcha. and they were supposed to apply for unemployment benefits because their wow. job their business job was impacted well you know one
0: one thing and i excuse me for even um interrupting you one thing you're absolutely correct when it comes down to how we're educated about certain categories i mean if you make the wrong assumption obviously you miss out and we are not well informed And we don't have often the time to get the education that we need when we're jumping into, because often we find you're not planning to become an entrepreneur. Many jump into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And as a result Mm. of the jump, we miss, we leap over the fundamental components that gives us the structure and allows us to be more strategic. So, we're gonna tap into that because that's leading, I know, closer to what you do to help us get our structure in order. But I wanted to ask you, because these numbers, you know, I'm sitting here, I thought I had some good numbers, but what you gave me is it's really mind-blowing. How can, you know, how can a fairly new organization, so I'm just thinking a new company, and I'm talking five or less employees, small business and they just started they were not able to get you know the the PPP P money what would you recommend that they do because they don't want they just started they are really struggling not to close and I know you need to know more details about that particular industry but I know that there are some who listen and they're they're sitting probably like I am with their mouths wide open like okay what am I supposed to do at this point.
1: Well, there was an additional um, emergency disaster loan program, the EDLI, I believe is the mm-hmm. initials. And if I, that's correct. Back, forgive me. And that was, um, and, and it's really uh, kind of, I had to laugh a little bit. Um, it was a $25,000 maximum capacity grant, mm-hmm. um, loan grant program. And how that was, Um, awarded was based on a percentage of your previous year's annual revenue and so as a new company if you were a new startup and you started in 2020 um, you would not have enough revenues to uh, qualify for a large portion of that 25,000 so as a new company even if you started the company in 2019 and your real revenues were somewhat low on average, companies were qualifying for anywhere from $1,000, these are personal testimonials I've gotten, Okay. $1,000 to $1,400, a company that I work with, uh, $4,000. Now, if you're mm. starting a business, and even if you're a solopreneur, $4,000 for, at the time, five months of operations wouldn't even cover your operating expenses for that period of time. So how they made that decision, who, what percentage of that $25,000 you were eligible to receive, or the base was on average $10,000, how much of that ten dollars you were eligible to receive, it doesn't make an ounce of sense. $1,000 to an operating organization for three to four months of inactivity in business was not adequate, but that's what was paid out on average. Right. And it gave the assumption that you were going to be eligible for $10,000 to $25,000. And that wasn't the case. So that was an ineffective policy in itself. You know, yes, those who qualify for the $10,000 to $25,000, it still didn't cover your operating expenses for the period of time your business has been derailed. And so for a new starting A new starting company, Um, you know, there's a lot that's happening right now in conversations. Um, We, I manage, I'm on the management team of a fund here in Kansas City that we are trying to get a restart program up and going for entrepreneurs who, as a result of the coronavirus, their businesses have been interrupted to the point that they have to just go back to the drawing board. You got to restart. you Mm got to, and in essence, I've been telling people that Really, what's happening? This small window of time, these next three to four months, is really not a time for you to try to restart. It really isn't, um, because we're going to see another phase of the coronavirus. I don't care what they say on television, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you know anything about flu season, we already lose about thirty thousand people during flu season mm-hmm. as it is. I'm over between twenty to thirty thousand deaths due to the traditional flu. On top of that, you have this coronavirus. It's going to be a very difficult period of time, October through April, which is peak flu season. So restarting a business, knowing that we're going to go back into a a peak coronavirus and flu season, it really isn't the time to restart. What it is time to do is go back to the drawing board. And so what we're trying to do is to get our program position in a way that we will be a option for those entrepreneurs who knew when you jumped out there the first time you really weren't ready, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm not an advocate of jumping. And so people have taken Steve Harvey's message on jumping to a whole nother level. Oh Wow. Uh, uh, now I'm sure in, in the business strategy, jumping is a component of startup but it is the last component. It is not the first component of starting a business. And unfortunately, in our community, we jump first. Absolutely. And and then (laughs) we search for dollars afterwards. Once we get out there, we realize that we don't have enough money to maintain the operations and the business. And then we spend the rest of our time searching for dollars. That's not the right strategy. In essence, We are to search for the dollars before we start. Okay. So jumping is step three in the (laughs) strategy of launching a business. Planning is step one. Leveraging is step two. Jumping is step three. We go all the way to step three. Then we go to step one. And then we go to step two. We spend the rest of the time where we should be focusing on operations and systems and marketing and the business, we're focusing on trying to find dollars to keep the doors open. Now, I want to put another staggering statistic out before you, because in the past, I used to say the first three to five years. um, Now, let me back up and say this. The black entrepreneurial community starts businesses at a higher rate than any other ethnic group. We also close them faster than any other ethnic group. It used to be in the first three to five years, our businesses were closed. Now it's 18 months. Mm. Within the first 18 months, our doors are closed.
0: Well, you know, Dr. Watson, it's pretty clear that when you try to start something without a plan, then you're really planning to fail because you can't backpedal once you put yourself out there and you're not clear on what your true direction is, you're not clear on your market. Um, and I do know from some of my clients, many of them have been forced out. So I deal with a, a population where they're older. They are not old enough to retire, but they are older in terms of, you
1: know, over 50, almost 60.
0: I was and- one of those. Okay, this is I was. I was an ex-government
1: this is what, manager, and my wow. office closed. And, and this is
0: exactly <laughs> this is exactly what yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, gearing towards. They weren't planning to own a business, though.
1: So well, that's see, the thing. I, I, I went into the income. government. Mm-hmm. I went into the government with a plan. Um, today, people, you cannot work anywhere without a backup plan. You just can't there's so much turnover and downsizing happening in corporate and government America. Who would have thought the federal government would close six offices across the nation? Well, our our Mm. department did. Our agency did. And I was a management statistician for the federal government. So I did research studies. I managed, uh, I was a contractor for CDC. I managed three health studies in six states, 200 employees across the nation. Mm -hmm. One of the top three producers in the nation was my project okay and they closed our office now i had a plan i came into that environment knowing i was an entrepreneur i was a dualpreneur so i ran i worked for the government during the day i ran my business evenings and weekends my whole reason to step into that government world was to provide my my exit plan my future fund with the money necessary to start my business So I saved for 17 years, every dime I could get my hands on every bonus, every award, Mm -hmm. every pay increase went into my savings fund for my business solely for the purpose to start the business. I left there with a healthy savings account, stocks, bonds, CDs. And I left there with a severance package. So when the government closed the doors, I wasn't caught off guard. You cannot put all of your eggs in one basket in today's economic world. Understood. You just
0: cannot. But this is so I can appreciate where you're coming from. And you are a rarity. (laughs) You really are a rarity because, again, a lot of people who are who have jumped into entrepreneurship did it because it was a necessity they knew mm-hmm. that they were over age people weren't hiring you know ageism is alive and well and so they were they felt compelled to do mm-hmm. something that they truly were passionate about that they didn't think that they would step into as soon as so now we are here today with people who are stuck in this category of wait a minute i just started my business and then corona came mm-hmm. and now I couldn't get the this wonderful stimulus money, so now what am I to do? Technically, my doors are closed, but I still mm-hmm. need to
1: restart. Fun, restart exactly. Mm-hmm. You need to. I, I, I'm I'm encouraging everyone. Um, we are gifted and talented people. We have such amazing ideas, but what we lack is business knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, we know our gift, we know our skill, we know our craft. But we don't know business and so for those of you who jumped out there and and you jumped out there because they said oh my god you make wonderful cakes you're amazing you need to be selling cakes you need to be in business oh my gosh you do hair really really well you need to be in a business oh my god you're a great barber you can cut hair you need to go to Mm -hmm. barber school and get your license you need to be in business or you do detailing of cars really great you need to be in business and so you know you jumped out there in business now what? Well, business is a, and I want to say this, and I don't want to be too tech. I am a science, geeky, nerdy, statistic head. (laughs) I I can tell. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And and so because of that, business is a science Yeah. and most importantly, business is spiritual. Mm. And we have made a decision. And as the founder of the national black mastermind group, I realized 13 years ago, all of the business programs out there were teaching people how to write a business plan to get their business funded. Right, right. But they, weren't, they were not teaching people how to know and understand business. And I found myself um, part of a business program. I'm a graduate of Joseph Business School and it is probably one of the best business schools out there from Chicago, Illinois, but they can't be everything to everybody. So they teach how to write a business plan. They teach business principles. But what I found in every program where we were not teaching people how to take that business plan, take the business principles and run the business with it each and every day. There were no strategies being taught of how to take these concepts you're creating in this business plan and how to break them down to actionable steps. You need to be doing each and every day, every week, every month, every quarter, semi-annually and annually in the business. So I found myself uh, as being an administrator of the program here in Kansas City when it closed. I took on the role of being an adjunct professor and then I shifted from being an adjunct professor because I don't go in the classrooms anymore in Chicago. uh, I began to be a student advisor and I am advising the students. I found myself advising them. Oh, wait a minute, wait, a, wait a minute. That's not how you run a business. Mm. That's not what you do to generate customers. Right. That's not what you, that's not how you drive customers to your business. And do you really understand the language of business? Everything has its own language. That's the right. language of business is financial. Everything has financial drivers. Well, let's back up. I say financial implications, financial drivers, and financial outcomes and impacts. We have to know financially where we're at in each and every aspect of the business. It is strictly financial. The language you'll speak is numbers, financial. The story you'll tell about your business is strictly financial. And when an entrepreneur cannot do that, That is why 80% of black entrepreneurs cannot access capital. Number one, we have the wrong business model. Number two, we have no systems in the business. Number three, we have absolutely no financial management skills. And I realized that 13, 14, well, so I've been doing this for about 14 years now, close to 14. And I really honed in on this about seven years ago that we have to teach entrepreneurs about business and about the language of business and how to develop strategies in their business that they are running it strictly by the numbers. That's something we have not been taught as a people. It's not that we can't learn it. We've never been taught it. Exactly. And now that I'm on also the lending side, I'm a, Air branch manager, area branch manager for First Merchant Financial Services. I know what they're looking for. And I realize no one has told us how to create a funding package that we can present to a lender. Mm-hmm. They'll look at that and say, Oh my God, you have something awesome here. Let's see what we can do to help you. So 80% of Black entrepreneurs in the marketplace today. Their number one concern was accessing capital. That is the number one reason why our businesses fail. Let me tell you what the number two reason is. We do not have adequate marketing strategies in our business. Marketing is the only thing that drives revenue. No other actions you do in your business drives revenue. And I'm a- Pause, therefore, to marinate for just (laughs) a minute. You are dropping some
0: incredible nuggets. And this is the kind of conversation, in all honesty, I wish I could have you on a regular basis and perhaps we can work this out because you're absolutely right, of course, on everything that you mentioned. And knowledge is, you know, we underestimate the power
1: of having knowledge. Well, my people are destroyed for For the lack lack of of knowledge. That's That's the only that's the only thing that says a people can be destroyed. Think about that for just a moment. That's the only way any one or anything can destroy a people. And we are as a people being destroyed economically, Mm -hmm. socially, emotionally, physically, medically. Every area of yes, life right. is destroying us mm. because of our lack of knowledge. We're gifted, but gifts don't get the job done. It doesn't. Knowledge on how to operate the gift gets you to the place, the wealthy place. And we all begin, We all want to end up there. But for some reason in our community, we've not put the level of importance In the realm of entrepreneurship on education, not a college degree. Mm -mm. That's not necessary. I got three of them. That's (laughs) not necessary. I started my first business back in 2005. Um, I'm I'm sorry, that's wrong. 1995. (laughs) Okay. And I realized there was some, my business grew so fast and growth can kill your business. Faster than anything else. If you are growing faster than you can manage your expenses, if your demand is greater than you can produce, that will kill the business. So it killed the business. We grew too fast mm. that we couldn't manage growth. Growth is dangerous, but immediately when people start a business, the first thing want, they want to do is start growing. They do. Growth will kill your business if you do not have systems to manage growth. We didn't have systems. We were barely at, I mean, we were so excited that we had a business concept that, that the public loved and it just took off like wildfire and we were chasing after the expenses. Well, the expenses were chasing us after a short period of time. Yeah. And so what I realized is I didn't have enough business understanding. Yes, I went back to school okay. and I got a degree, mm-hmm. but I went to, after I got the degree, I got a master's degree. I still didn't feel adequate. I went to business school. I went to business school and I allowed myself to be taught some principles in business. That's why Joseph business school was the best thing that happened to me. But what I found that they're excellent, the best place they can get you from ground zero to ground two after ground two, you have five more levels. You've got to grow in business knowledge and attainment. So I had to get myself in an environment that I understood the numbers and because of the mistakes that I made in business myself, I needed a better grasp and understanding of the principles of business, not my, my, not my skill set. Right. I, I, can, I can slay stronger than the best of them. <laughs> when it came to my industry, I, was, I, had it, I had a reputation of being one of the best in the industry according to my industry standards but I still didn't have the knowledge that I have today on managing money. Mm. That is so important for our entrepreneurial community. You're not ever gonna create wealth without these strategies in place. So this seems like a perfect
0: segue to the Black Mastermind Group. Help us understand because you've laid it out, it's so clear that this financial piece is our lifeline. You've made it clear that if we don't get an understanding on that, we will not be able to move forward, that we will be stagnant. And if we're not careful, we'll just fall apart because we have to have a grip on how to handle our finances. Black Mastermind Group, when did that start and why did you pull this
1: together? Um, Back in 2013, 14, I kept hearing and seeing, and, and my business was in the heyday of its of its existence. We were we hit the ground hard um, mm. in 2013, and we just blossomed overnight. And and so I always say anything grows overnight is a weed, and it'll soon be cut down. So <laughs> the end of that story. Oh my goodness. And so um, we were. And so what happened as a result? people saw the success that I had immediately in business and my door I had an open door policy I had entrepreneurial friends coming in and really crying on my shoulders how difficult it was and that they couldn't keep their doors open and they were struggling and they just needed help and if only our community would support me in business and so when you build a business on the hopes that the black community is going to support you you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So we teach a different concept, and I don't and I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but we teach to create a business that you can sell to everybody, but make a commitment to buy black. I
0: get it. I so we, truly get that.
1: <laughs> if you build a business, and the reason is it's because we as a culture of people, we've not made the commitment. We have not made the decision that our dollars are going to remain in our community. We're not there yet. We're making great strides, Mm -hmm. but we have not made that as a community cultural decision. You do not go outside of your community. No one else. I mean, all other ethnic groups, this is how they live. You don't get Asian dollars in the black community. You don't get Hispanic dollars in the black community. You, will, you don't get Middle Eastern dollars in the black community, but you will get some white, but you got to predominantly attract black customers. That's not good business because we don't make decisions to buy only with black. We buy wherever we want to buy, wherever we want to go. to. We spend money with whomever we want to spend money, and we don't know the social impact no. of where we spend our dollars. So. As a black mastermind organization, we realized all of these factors were hitting the black entrepreneur and the black entrepreneur predominantly didn't have a a safe place to come and get what they needed to get the encouragement, to be around people with like mind, with like passion, vision, with like calling. I want to go back calling, being called to be an entrepreneur. It's different from an opportunist that had an opportunity that they had to take on. But when you are called to be an entrepreneur, no matter what happens, you're there. You're not going, you're not gonna to hop to the next opportunity and go back to corporate America when the job dangles you the right salary. When you're called to be an entrepreneur, you're on that journey for the rest of your life. And so you need to be around people of like mind. Yes. The black mastermind concept was created to help nurture us, develop us educate us train us coach us mentor us give us skill set number 1 give us mindset mm-hmm. develop our mindset on this journey towards success that had huge requirements and implications we needed to get in an in a room and get what we needed to nurture our mind and keep us thinking at another level collectively with other people who also shared the same passion. My husband thinks I'm absolutely crazy. Went to back to school, got a bachelor's degree, master's degree, business school, doctorate degree. And I didn't, I'm doing something totally different than what I started on this journey to do. I mean, I'm in a totally different world because I'm an entrepreneur. I pivoted and made that shift when it was necessary for me to do so. And I realized the importance of me operating a business not based on my labor. A place, a business I don't have to show up to. It creates revenue for me while I'm doing everything else I need to do. And teaching people how to develop those models. So we have to deal with the mindset. We've got to change and pivot what we've created. We've got to restructure the business and we have to get our black community in a circle where we feel safe to say, it's not okay. Everything's not working. Right. We're, we're not on Facebook perpetrating that type That's of cool. life, the best life. We're not <laughs> perpetrating. In this group, we're very transparent. And the only way you're going to learn anything and develop the ne- to the next level thinking type of entrepreneur, you got to get in an environment where it challenges everything about what you've created and where you're going and how you propose to get there. So the Black Mastermind Group, long story short, I apologize. The uh, Black that's Mastermind okay. <laughs> Group was developed to nurture entrepreneurs to be able to do this collectively and collaboratively in a safe environment. So we are developing our organization to be able to nurture entrepreneurs and then we offer them the opportunity to go through the Business Mastery program to totally reshape their business and to reshape everything that they thought they were called to do and to put it in proper alignment and then help them get out there and do it by providing access to capital.
0: Dr. Watson, every thing about this black mastermind group really is to me it fills a gap it's an answer to so many uh, african-american black businesses that are floundering right now it I mean it's not the answer to all things but it absolutely gives someone the next step it gives someone hope and some direction so I definitely want to know, and I know that you mentioned mindset being, to me, that's the absolute most important element when you're trying to decide that you're going to step into the role of an entrepreneur, that you have to understand what that really means and embrace all of that with all of your mind um, and your heart. But also, I understand that with mastermind groups you hold each other accountable and I believe that with the accountability as well as the nurturing you you, you're almost challenged it's like I dare you not to thrive
1: you know it's like you have a mandate to manifest oh I love it a mandate mandate to to manifest manifest. results yes Yes, that is absolutely everyone that comes into the business mastery program and has a mandate to manifest results. So we we are a member-based organization because we want to work with those who understand the investment that's required. And so it's a membership organization. You, we have affiliate groups in current 19, oh, probably 20 affiliate groups in different capacities wow. of development. Okay. But we are ready to open up the program, the Business Mastery Program in Kansas City dallas houston atlanta washington dc hampton roads virginia january 2021 we will open Ooh. up the educational program to all of these cities where black entrepreneurs exist okay. so we're currently we are training our trainers and let me kind of give you a little bit more background on on us okay. so we first of all find leaders We're recruiting leaders right now. We find people who are willing to commit to educating, training, coaching, mentoring and developing the black entrepreneur community. When we find leaders who that resonates with their spirit, that they're called to do this, then we develop the affiliate group in the city. Once the affiliate group is developed in the city, the leaders are all in position. There's seven leaders in every group. Then we train our leaders. They all go through the business mastery train. The trainer program It's extremely accelerated and it is extremely intense. We know you don't have a lot of time to spend being reeducated, but we must get you through the program. All of our leaders go through every aspect of the program, even the funding initiatives that we have for those who graduate from the program to help them fund get access to capital and fund their operations. And that's why we don't jump in business. Mm-hmm. All of this mm-hmm. goes line upon line, pre-step upon pre <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so once their, their funding comes in, while they're in the program, they're partnered with a coach. Mm, for 12 months, they have a coach that they are assigned to report to. Accountability for six months now this is once the leaders are trained Mm -hmm. the group is formed within three to six months the program the business mastery program is opened in that city entrepreneurs we know they cannot afford to pay for the cost of the program so with grant dollars charitable foundation contributions corporate sponsorships partnerships donations and contributions We put an entrepreneur in the seat of the program through a scholarship. That gets them through the program. The classroom portion of the program for the entrepreneurs is six months. Okay. They are assigned a coach for accountability for 12 months.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm, we're winding down, so I want to ask this question because I want to make sure that the listening audience and I'll, I'll make sure to add this information in the description of this episode. But how can they
1: get access to learn more about this program? The they can point. they can go to our website. Um, we don't lead with the business mastery program. We lead with you getting in the mastermind group. And let us help you with mindset development. So you'll be ready for the journey into the business program, but okay. you can go to okay. the black The black mastermind group all spelled oh, out okay. the black mastermind group.com <laughs> and see where you fit in. Um, definitely the cities that we are currently ready to start training is Kansas City, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, DC and Hampton Roads, Virginia. We'll be launching the program again in June in other cities. As we build our leadership teams, identify people who have the gift, the training, the skill sets to train and coach and mentor other people. Then we open up the group. We have monthly meetings of training and development We have quarterly seminars and training and development, and then you can enroll in the program. We fund the entrepreneur in the seat of the program. And while they're in the program, they're getting education for six months. They're getting coaching for 12 months. They're getting board mentorship reviews. That's quarterly business financial reports. Oh, with a board of mentors every quarter, They actually get three sessions with their board before they're released to do what they've been called to do.
0: Dr. Watson, you have, well, outside of the fact that this is mind blowing, I love the detail. You have paid attention to every detail to create a mastermind group that, I mean, it's covering the information that we desperately need. And so I commend you for taking the time because it takes a certain mindset just to make sure that all of these elements are in place for it to function well and succinctly. So again, I thank you. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your commitment. I thank you for the passion that quickly comes through because you care about our community. And it's not an issue of excluding others, but it's embracing this community. Because too often we get dropped. Mm -hmm. Too often we're overlooked. So you've taken the time, you've taken all of your talent and skills. But I have to say this, it's clear that you are anointed for this. Yes. Because I already hear the call and the call comes from the Lord. And so that was something that I knew I saw in you. And I saw this before having a conversation, before we
1: met what, three, four years ago, almost four Mm -hmm. years now. And I wasn't even on this journey back then. Look at that. I was still wrestling (laughs) with God about the journey. (laughs) that's a conversation, (laughs) always. It's it's
0: one of those situations where if you want to be well-pleasing in His sight, you submit. You say, okay, God, it's your way. And He then provides you with everything you need as you move and take those Mm -hmm. steps. So I will make sure that the information www.theblackmastermindgroup.com. I'll make sure that that is also in the description. Uh, is there anything else before we close out that you yes. want to say? Yes, ahead, I do. My dear.
1: I wanted, I'm wanted. i so excited about our first class of leaders that are graduating from the Business Mastery Program. Yes. You know, they have a very intensive track that they go on for four months to learn the program, learn how to train, learn how to coach. Uh, and so our first group of leaders are graduating uh July 30th, uh, 31st is our graduation conference weekend, and the graduation ceremony is August 1st. Uh, We are so excited for the lineup of speakers that we have. We got Dr. Ruben West from Black Belt Speakers, Mm. Dr. Clyde Rivers from uh, the ambassador to all foreign nations across the world. We have Delano Johnson, Dr. Frazier, Frazier Nets, uh, right hand. Yeah. And Dr. George Frazier is going to do our commencement. <laughs> uh, he's going to be our <laughs> commencement speaker. But each and every day we are looking at industries and places where we need black people to step into those places of business. Blacks in the hemp industry, black authors, trainers and speakers, blacks, yes. subcontractors. Black podcasting, Black business funding, Blacks in technology, Blacks in wealth and wealth development. Mm -hmm. These are the topics that we're going to be covering. One I forgot, Black import and exporting, Black investments. Mm -hmm. These are the topics we're going to talk about. So if that first business model didn't work well, these are places you can get in business and really do well. These are places where we are not predominantly seen in business. These are opportunities. And so we're not doing the traditional, you know, speak to you, get you motivated with some hype and (laughs) rah, 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 (laughs) and you go home. And now what? Exactly. What we have decided to do was create workshops. So the blackened Mm. hemp industry has, um, I believe, four sessions. And when you get done, you'll have a real good understanding. Um, This is an amazing black entrepreneur and his partner is a black scientist. She is off the chain. They're gonna teach you how to start a hemp business from seed development all the way to retail. That's the process for this this, uh, conference that we're doing. For those of you who have a passion to write a book, well, you gotta take the book and you gotta get it to go around the world. So you can't just be an author. You right. have to create a pathway, author, trainer, speaker, business model. Then the Black subcontractors, which is a huge market that we've not tapped in correctly. Being a sub on a contract, there are millionaires created from being subs on a contractor, and then podcasting a new part of technology that's come out. And then we have an amazing instructor that owns a tech Black technology training company that gets black people certified in different aspects of technology. Yes, Yes. we can do technology. Yes, we can. Yes. Then we have black investment strategies, um, um, 4X, uh, Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. as cryptocurrency and um, different currencies. And then we have an amazing black entrepreneur that's an importer and exporter, has a whole business model in Indonesia. Now, let me ask
0: you this, uh, Dr. Watson, is this going to be virtual?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it was our face-to-face oh, yeah. conference we were going to hold in Kansas City, where we are, our corporate branch office is developed out of. Right. But when the pandemic came, we had to make a quick pivot. We had to go from a face-to-face organization to a 100% virtual organization. And we're going to remain virtual, and we're going to test the weather next June to see if hmm. our community is safe to go face-to-face because we know the black entrepreneurial community is not as strong in technology as we should be and we also are our learning and adaptive skills are different so we know that predominantly we need to be in a face-to-face environment for some uh, great segment of our population but we'll always have a virtual presence as well that's good We've pivoted quickly and created a virtual conference, which begins July 30th, July 31st, and and then we wrap it up with August 1st is the graduation where Dr. Frazier will be speaking for all of those who, and it's on the 31st at 12 noon, it is free and open to the public, but there's a registration fee to attend. Um, the other sessions nominal fee because we want information to be accessible to everyone. Very good. And will
0: this information also be at on your website?
1: Yes, July 1st, um, we're gonna kick everything off July 1st, which is tomorrow, tomorrow. So That's right. um, our our plate's a little full today, but we're we're definitely wanting to make sure that we have our content out there and kickoff registration. It will be at the end of the day, July first. We got some nuts and bolts. We've got to work out, so it'll be out there at the end of the day, July first, and from there on.
0: And that's okay.
1: This this
0: particular episode will be up by the time it'll be up in plenty of time for those who are interested in registering to register. So that's the main thing. Listen, I know that you and I we could go on for a while, but I just want to at least pause for now and say thank you again. You have blessed our listeners, I know, with such huge information. I mean, just nuggets after nuggets, and we have to digest what you've shared. But I will make sure that, you know, uh, I include all of your information, and I'm just, I can't thank you enough. One thing's for sure, COVID-19 does not win. No. No matter what the statistics say, no matter how dire our circumstances may appear to be, At the end of the day, as long as we know that there is another opportunity for us Mm -hmm. to look up, I always say, as long as it's called today, the opportunity and the promise still remains. And so it's today. And we're going to keep moving forward. And I thank you for the hope and encouragement that your organization provides hundreds and thousands of those who come in contact with you. Thank you
1: for what you do. Thank you for allowing me to share. I want to say one thing before I close. Opportunity. This sure. is a, opportunities are around us all day. But this is, if you are positioned properly, this is the best time in your lifetime to take advantage of the opportunities that are presented as a result of the coronavirus. Don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a door opener. Yes. It is the sh- 2020 came in Huh. And changed everything. Nothing will ever be the same as a result of 2020. But this is indeed our hour. This is our time. This is our season for those who have prepared themselves. And it's not too late to get prepared. So thank you so very much, Dr. E, for allowing me to speak to your audience today. And yes, if you let me come back, I'll come back. There's (laughs) so much more I can
0: say. I (laughs) know it. I already see that we will be doing this again very soon. But in the meantime, I want to thank you all for listening, for tuning into the Introverted Loudmouth podcast. Listen. Stay tuned because, again, I will have more guests to pop on and share insights on how to overcome obstacles. As you can see, we thought, we were told that we would be defeated by this COVID, but no. That just gave us another chance, another opportunity to do things different, to do things in a different, through different lenses. So until next time, I'm Dr. E. Michelle Mickens. You take care, be blessed and be safe.